Industry Under Pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Did you hear about the guy who just moved into the apartment over the bank? Now his assets over $10 million. All right, all right. It's an oldie but goodie. Well, it's an oldie, at least, anyway. Uh, I, actually, I remember that one was was popular for a little while. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, the, there were certain jokes that the, that the grown-ups liked to to uh, tell. And, you know, my ears always perked up when I, you know, heard something that sounded like it was going to be funny. And then most of the time I, I couldn't figure out what the hell they were talking about. But um, uh, where did we start with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asset manager. Assets, assets, his assets. That's what I. That's what I was saying. Which leads to this topic of asset management, and uh, you know, which is a big deal in oil and gas uh, or any any industrial, any industrial industry. Um, you know, uh, any heavy industry. That is what today's show is about. But first, but first, I want to tell you that this particular episode of the Oil & Gas Tech... Oh, by the way, welcome to the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, which, as you know, is the biggest and best, and we most listen to all that. Um, but this particular episode is... I'm excited for this because it's the first time that I get to say this episode is sponsored by our very good friends at Stratus Technologies. Now... You have heard me talk about, well, you've heard about Stratus on this show before, not in this particular way, but uh, you have heard, I, we've had guests, well, Corey Alamon was the very, <laughs> Corey was the very first guest that I ever had on this show after I inherited it from Mark LaCour. In fact, I think Mark LaCour and I were both on that episode and Corey was there and uh, and Corey's been on once or twice since then and, uh, and, and they, so... It's hard to really put this all, I, like I have to try to keep this short, so it's hard to explain all the great things that Stratus does. But when you think about edge computing and how hard it is, think about Stratus and suddenly it becomes easy. That's really all I'm going to say. They just simplify the whole thing. You know, it, even when it comes down to uh, a, a server goes out, all you, all you got to know is red wire, blue wire, plug it back in. The next one comes in, it recognizes all of its brothers and sisters on the network and everything's hunky-dory. It's really intelligent stuff. Anyway, go to stratus.com. You will learn all about it. As I always say, uh, we love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. That is really true. So show our sponsors some love. All right, back to the show. Uh, back to the show. Yes. So today I have on the show somebody from a company that I am, I'm just learning about this company and uh, they are, it's called MCloud. And uh, I still find, never mind the company. The point is that when it, when it comes to asset management, there is some really, there's some fantastic things that can be done. And that's what we're going to talk about on the show here in just a few moments. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the OGGN Spotlight, Mr. Greg Lanza.
And that does bring us to our guest today. I am uh, here in the remote configuration uh, with Mr. Greg. Do you say Lanza or Lanza? I forgot to ask you before we started. Technically, it's Lanza. 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 Greg Lanza. In Italian, unless you're, unless you're an Italian in New Jersey, in which case it's Lanza. Most but, people uh, say Lanza in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, thanks. Uh, anyway, thanks for making time. I have to... Um, you know, I always believe in uh, full transparency with the audience, except for when I don't. And uh, I have to say that everybody needs to go easy on you today because you only found out like 24 hours ago or something that you were going to do, or two days or whatever it was. You, you, <laughs> this was sort of a last-minute entry, so so we have to be nice to you. But but I appreciate you uh, taking a break from your sunny West Coast weather to go inside and, and do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you look happy. Um, all right. So we are. So today we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, and, and Greg's with a company called M Cloud, which I'm just I have just uh, started to learn about here recently when when somebody that we already knew moved into moved over uh, to your company. So we're so we're learning about it. Um, but but we are gonna, we're gonna talk about industrial asset management, which is good because we haven't really done an episode on this for a little while. Um, but obviously, and you guys aren't only involved in oil and gas because there's industrial assets in a lot of other places, but, but there's a lot of action right here, right? This is, in fact, is this, so do you spend most of your time? Is it, is it oil and gas where you spend most of your time focused? Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm a software and solution product manager, uh, and I, work primarily in our industrial solutions, which, uh, you know, because of our company's history and stuff, it is mostly in oil and gas today. Yeah. So I spend most of my time there. Yeah. Well, so the reason I, the reason I bring that up and I know I'm getting out of sequence from what I told you we were going to do, but is it's one thing that has been coming up in oil and gas a lot lately is, um, um, that there's, there are, it turns out, Turns out there are commonalities and similarities between this industry and a lot of other industries, and and there's like things to be learned, right? So so things things that you might do in other industries, we can learn from that from that here. And it wasn't always uh, it wasn't. I mean, it's not that it wasn't always the case, but people in oil and gas always weren't open to uh, you know, like if you were going in and you had a product or a service in oil and gas, what they wanted to know is. Like they didn't care about what you did in other industries. It was like, what, well, what have you done for like ten other companies that look exactly like mine, right? And yeah. but do you find do you find that it, is it is it are people more open now to uh, like learning and understanding what's happening? And are you able to bring those uh, yeah you, uh, those ideas in? You know, uh, I from my own experience, I think the the transition has been pretty slow. I think. The last couple of years have have really changed that. I think with, you know, with COVID yeah. pushing a lot of us to remote work, um, people getting more comfortable with using a lot of the tech. Like you know, this yeah. kind of a uh, collaborative tech technology has also improved a ton. Um, right. I think right. people have, there's been there has been a paradigm shift. I think in what people are willing to accept from that front. Um, yeah, and I don't think it's as siloed as much anymore because of that. Yeah, um, good, good. Yeah, we keep finding reasons to be happy about COVID. You know, well, <laughs> there, are, yeah. there, there are there are some benefits. 
<laughs> we've learned we've learned how to do some things differently. Um, all right, so let's back up. So a little bit more though about you. I know that uh, you've been in this um, kind of this uh, big asset automation world for a long time. You spent some years, uh, quite a few at Emerson, I think, with the Delta V product, right, which is pretty well known in the industry. And how, when did you come to MCloud? How long ago was that? Uh, yeah, so I joined MCloud back in July of last year. So I've been with them for uh, eight, nine yeah. months now. Um, yeah. yeah, I came yeah. from Emerson. I worked at the in the Precious Systems and Solution group uh, for pretty much my whole career. So uh, yeah. Yeah, more than a decade before that. <laughs> right, right. So, um, and then you decided to like jump over and and see what the cool kids are doing at like the new, uh, the new <laughs> software. Company. I mean, M- MCloud's pretty recent, right? They, I can't remember, uh, it's, but it hasn't been that long that MCloud's been. No, yeah, the, the company is pretty young. It was founded in 2017, 2016 or yeah. 2017. Um, and right. just, just recently, uh, end of 2021, was finally listed on NASDAQ. So it's, a, it's an interesting oh, wow. startup because it... Uh, it wasn't like, you know, a private did this big kind of IPO reveal kind of thing. It was actually a public company for most of its history, the way that it was built. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. But it, it, uh, it was a Canadian-based company traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange. and then, But we are now listed on NASDAQ as of late oh, last year. So that was a big yeah, milestone yeah. for the company. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always exciting. Um most of the time, by the time it's you get to where it's time to celebrate, you, you're already so worn out from everything it took to to, <laughs> to go public that you, you have no energy, no energy left. Yeah, working but, on it, right. it is a big change of pace, uh, going from a big uh, established you know company to up startup. It's a, definitely a change of uh, lifestyle and pace, but it's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, you you look yeah, he's smiling. You're smiling when you say that. So we're going to assume that it's true. Um do you see though so this is another thing that that's been curious the last couple of years is within some of those big uh you know household name type companies um it seems like they are they are trying to adopt more um you know more nimble uh you know people always word agile is a little bit overused but uh, but, but, you know, be more nimble, be more innovative, be more, um, uh, you know, be more like the, the smaller companies. Um, do, do, do you see that? Like, I don't know if they're doing that at Emerson, but I know, but I know that a number of the big companies are, are trying. Yeah, I, I, they definitely are trying, right? I mean, it's hard to turn a big giant ship sometimes, but I, you know, the good one, the, the good, the better companies, I think, have recognized. You look at the kind of innovations that companies like Amazon and Apple and Google have been able to do in the consumer space yeah, um, yeah, by reinvesting, yeah. you know, their profit dollars and trying to be more innovative. I think you know, Emerson always seemed to be pretty innovation focused. I mean, they did tend to want to spend a decent amount of money on the R and D side of things, but. Um, yeah, they're definitely trying to get more agile. It's just, you know, big companies, it's, it's, hard, it's yeah. tough, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
Well, it big. It's I think it's big depending on when you were established, because you know a- Amazon and Google and what you mentioned, they're not that's necessarily true. small. But that's true. but I remember it's it, it was quite a few years ago that when I heard that Amazon, you know, with their like 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 CICD pipeline development, that they were you know continuous. Like they they said we're we're pushing code into production like every minute of every day, something something like that, right? It's, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just a continuous <laughs> a continuous flow. So, uh, but they were but they were they were starting in a new world all right so oh there's one more thing i wanted to i wanted to mention about you because i always i always like to look for these interesting things about people and um you you, there's this little thing where you were a winemaker in italy so what what was that all about how did you end up in italy uh like were you were you in the vat stomping on the grapes or was i i I was about as close to being in the vat stomping on the grapes (laughs) as you could be Uh, um yeah, I mean, history, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, so my family is Italian. I have lots of, I still have lots of cousins and stuff that are that live in Italy. Um, and so after I finished college, I, I just wanted to go spend some time there, you know, get better at speaking the language, which I didn't really speak very well growing up and stuff. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. ended up there, I had an aunt that had connections to wine uh, companies. And so I got this job at a winery, uh, and then got to kind of go through the whole process end to end of, you know, the, I started there in January. So, you know, right in the middle of winter when they're kind of starting the whole process of the year, um, and then got to do everything all the way through to the actual winemaking. And I, yeah, there were times where, where I was literally inside, a vat cleaning it out, you know, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of manual labor, but it was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. 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 That sounds yeah. like a job for somebody's American aunt's nephew, right? Like yeah, put, put him in the vats and have him, you know, start there. Uh, so, um, you know, it's funny because I, I grew up, so my, so the, I have the last name O'Sullivan, but, but I've mentioned this before that my, on my mom's side, uh, on my mother's side, it's, uh, it, it's Italian, it was Sicilian and I, and I, and we grew up in New Jersey. So it was a, you know, a New, New Jersey Sicilian family. So there, if you said, I have an aunt who has connections, it usually meant something like completely different from what, yeah. from what you described, <laughs> but, but, uh, but and, and and there was no use trying to learn to speak the language because what they spoke, uh, what the Sicilians in New Jersey spoke, was a completely different. Oh, it's it was not, not, yeah. not, not exactly, not exactly Italian. But all right, so uh, that's cool though. It's it's good to do stuff that's you know just completely uh, outside of the norm. I, we, yeah, I was, could ask you all about. You know, it, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool because I I studied chemical engineering, and so like even though I wasn't really, I wasn't over there doing chemical engineering calculations and stuff. Like there's a lot of chemical engineering concepts and winemaking, you know, like just actually understanding the science behind how it's made and how sugars turn to ethanol and how it all works. And then just getting to see that come to, come to reality. And the process was, was really cool. Yeah, no, if, no, it's funny because that's exactly what I was going to ask you because a lot of, anytime I talk with somebody who's done something like outside, like something that has to do more with some completely other different, um, uh, especially if it has to do with anything like like in nature or natural, there's always like people always make these connections and they say like when I when I was, you know, 
Like when I spent a year as a kayak instructor, I had a, somebody recently <laughs> who spent a year as a kayak. Yeah. It, it, like it's amazing, like the parallels you draw in life, right? Between things that seem to be like completely unrelated. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so the next the next parallel I got to draw is somehow I got to get us back to asset management. So I'm I'm not I'm, I'm just going to jump right back to it. So, um, asset management. Let, let's talk about. Um, um, so you, you've been in that world for a while. So for those, you know, following along at home who are like, ah, I'm not really exactly sure. Like, what do we, like, we know we got a lot of assets out there. Um, but asset management is a big, kind of a big domain. What, what, like when you're sitting with your friends at the bar and they say, well, what is asset management? Like, <laughs> how do you explain it? What, 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 is, oh, man. what does that okay, world look like? So we're, we're going to start way up there. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think what it comes down to is, is really just trying to make, the most, the best economic sense out of all this equipment that we have, right? I mean, there's there's tons of equipment. A lot of it is pretty expensive equipment. Um, you know, when you're in a process yeah. industry space, it, it's it's equipment that's getting used a lot, right? It's like it's not right. like you use it some of the time. It's getting used 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, so you've got right. lots of challenges. You know, it comes from what I see is even with a lot of emerging standards that have come out over the years to try to make things easier for people to do across, regardless of vendors and things like that, you know, those, those kind of things, like as we learn lessons in the space, it still takes a really long time for it to actually manifest. Right. So, you know, right. you still, you don't just go and rip out all your old equipment because some new standard came out that's going to make it easier to manage, right? You still have to deal with, it takes decades for some of that stuff to turn over, you know? Sure. And so that, sure. that's a, pro, a challenge that I, you know, we continue to see regardless of the vintage or the vendor or whatever, you still have to have ways of trying to manage all of it um, as a single, and the more you can manage it as a single system or come up with ways of looking at it all collectively, the better you're going to be at uh, finding efficiencies or places to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that. The vintage, it was the winemaker in you coming out right there, the vintage <laughs> yeah. of the equipment. Um, so, uh, well, and I've heard this term by some people who are uh, the manufacturers of some of this stuff. They, they're, they're now talking, they're speaking in terms of ecosystem. They like to say, you know, rather than, rather than selling a catalog of, you know, various different parts and pieces and pieces of equipment and things like that. Um, and we're talking about big things, right? We're not talking about things that, that these are not washing machine size, you know, pieces of equipment. They're, they're large, but they're talking about, uh, they're using this term ecosystem, uh, to describe, is that, is that what you mean? Like kind of looking at it as a whole, what, I, what's, so what is the I advantage do. there? Yeah, I do. Except that, you know, if, if I'm a lot of this equipment is still manufactured by OEMs, right? Specific companies right. that do, heat exchanger manufacturing or compressor manufacturing, and they're really good at what they do. They're good at looking at, at their equipment and what they manage and so on. doesn't mean they're good at looking at the other equipment in your facility, right? So the, the yeah. ecosystem that they talk of or, or the ecosystem in their mind is if they were to own the whole market and all you did was buy equipment from them, everything's going to work really well together, right? Yeah. And the reality sure. is that I don't... And then if you're building a brand new plant today and you have all that cool technology available to you and you have lots of budget, sure, you could probably build something really awesome with a lot of the new stuff. Yeah. You know? 
but right. the reality is there's millions of assets out there that don't fit that profile, right? You've you've got to buy things that make sense to your business economics and those might come from vendor yeah. A one day and vendor B another day and so the ecosystem well, it's like the, fir- the first thing you yeah. said, right? The first thing you said was was uh, these things you don't just change it out all of a sudden because something something better came along, right? They, they exactly they're, they're right. You're there. gonna, you, in fact, you wanna, you don't wanna do that. You wanna make what you bought last as long as you can get out of it, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Before you yeah, change yeah. it, right? Unless there's some really compelling reason to change it, you're probably not gonna do that. Right. Well, especially, you know, it depends too, I think on the, on where you are, what type of, what type of assets, not the equipment assets, but what kind of, uh, um, assets you're developing. So for example, uh, if you're in the Permian and you know, these systems are moving frequently and you're going from one lease to the next, that's different from if, uh, you know, if you're on an offshore, if it's an offshore platform that's going to be there for 20 years, or if you're yeah. in a refinery in a refinery that was built 65 years ago and they're not building any new ones. So, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, some right. of the, some, <laughs> <laughs> some some of this stuff is out there. So what's the so how do you tackle that? And I know you got you know at M Cloud. I know you, well you I know you guys are working with uh, you know trying to bring analytics and and all the like the cool new digital stuff to that space, which is what everybody is doing in one way, shape, or form in all the different aspects of the industry. How do you? But, but just in terms of uh, in a. In, in this space where you've got uh, these things that are out there, you know, different, different vintages in different, yeah. in different places, how do you, like, where do you start? How do you, and you say, I want to start modernizing this stuff. I want to start improving the economics of what we're doing because there's all this pressure on the industry. How do, where do you start with it, with that type of uh, improvement? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it starts with getting as much of the equipment as you can connected you know, and then, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but again, not every system, you know, it starts with getting it all connected and trying to get it all connected into one system, right? So you get, you can see all of your operations, all of your equipment, all of it together in one mm-hmm, place, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I, 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 I mentioned a, a little bit of some of the solutions we have, but we do have a, a product that we call Asset Care Enterprise, which is designed to do that. It's really designed to connect to data sources from everywhere. So it can connect to your SAP or Maximo systems. Right. It can connect to a control, you know, Pi historians and pull data in. It can connect to OPC data sources, uh, you know, online a variety, tons and tons of other data sources that it can connect to, right? With the goal really yeah. of there, there, of course, has to be some rationalization that you layer onto that, right? And so um, in some cases, that's something you got to sit down and do as kind of a custom type of project with some output. In other cases, we are trying very hard to come up with, a, uh, you know, solutions that make sense, like an off-the-shelf solutions that target very specific workflows or use cases, uh, to try to optimize what you do there or minimize kind of the upfront investment that has to be put into it. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, so I want to go back to, so getting everything connected is, um, I mean, getting things connected is what everybody's been focused on everywhere for the last few years. Yeah. Um, 
and you mentioned all the usual suspects, right? Maximo and Pi and all the places where you might, you might. Um, so, so where you're, where you're, where you're looking right now is, is so those systems are connected, you know, ha- already have sensors and things that are producing data and those, and all of that's feeding into these other systems. Um, so if I understand what you're saying is without even, without necessarily even having to go and re, architect the, how you're actually capturing data off of the assets themselves, you can go to the repositories of data and do a lot of good already just from there. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Absolutely. I mean, that's a, just from that starting point, of course, you know, of course we can, it's not, again, depending on what you're trying to do specifically, we may have to look at, you know, adding additional instrumentation or something to an asset to get the kind of measurement yeah. that we need. But in a lot of cases, the, the instrumentation that already exists, especially in industrial uh, process facilities and stuff, is, is sufficient enough for us to uh, be able to do analytics and, and bring additional insights and value to the processes that you run, right? Yeah. Um, well, well the- a, lot of that, a lot of those things are already producing data that isn't even being used in the first, like, like there's tons of data being produced that's not actually being used for the, whatever the function is that it supports, right? Because it's not required at that resolution or whatever. So, so you got, you got tons of data that's already in like, like in the bucket. Yeah. There's also, so there's almost too much data in a lot of those facilities that like the, the, you know, the individual or even group of individuals can't even really rationalize all of it unless, you know, they're, they've been targeted or given some specific task to do that. And that's where I think trying to, to make sense and leverage the technologies that are emerging and getting better and better, you know, AI and machine learning technologies, you know, AI and machine learning I can sometimes get overused as terms, especially today, I think, because mm-hmm. they're buzzwords, right? Just like the digital transformation was a buzzword for a long time in this industry, right? Um, yeah, but what yeah, do they really yeah. mean? Uh, I think when you get to like AI and machine learning, they're really, really good at solving kind of repetitive types of problems um, and problems that have lots and lots of data and patterns and things, right? And figuring those things out for people. And the what better industries than these ones to, right? We just talked about in a lot of cases, you do have equipment that's operating 24 seven kind of doing repetitive types of tasks, right? Like these are the mm-hmm, kind of places right. where it, uh, you can actually really use that kind of technology if you, if you know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what, um, so what kind of things, so, so we get in there and, and, um, and and we're getting at the data, maybe we're producing some new data. Like you said, we got to install some stuff, but, 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 now, um, you know, we're coming at this, um, what, what's like, like, what's the prize? So, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm an executive in charge of a whole bunch of this stuff and I'm all excited because Greg, Greg just showed up with all of his cool things that he's going to, that he's going <laughs> to do. And, and like, so what are, so what are you taking aim at with this? I mean, I think, and, and like you said, digital transformation was a buzzword for a while. And, and then we all sort of like, like we got past the point where people roll their eyes when you, like everybody knows what it means now. Right. And, and even with AI and analytics, we're getting to the point, oh yeah, okay. I know what happens is you take the data, you do this analytics and 
and you start to like get some insights and it tells you about things that are happening and things that might happen. Da, da, da. How, how, how are you taking that kind of discipline of, of technology and aiming it at what's going on in, in asset management? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, I think one of the things that I found to be the really unique and super interesting about what we were doing at mCloud is that our solutions are all subscription based and they're really low oh, okay. risk. They're really low risk. Like you don't, most of our solutions don't require any major upfront capital. It's just like you sign up for the subscription and we handle everything. So you pay oh, kind well, of a that, monthly yeah. fee per asset. You don't have to go and spend $50,000 on a project and then some ongoing, you know, monthly fee or whatever. You just, you know, if you do, uh, I'll pick an example. We have a heat exchanger monitoring solution. You pay a few hundred dollars a month for the solution, and that's it. You could start with a single asset, start with the most problematic mm -hmm. one in your facility. I think that's kind of what it'll boil down to is I think digital transformation from what I saw throughout my career is it's a pretty overwhelming kind of thing, right? It's like, oh, digital mm -hmm. transformation. Mm -hmm. There's a million places that we can digitally transform, you know, our businesses, our processes, our you know, the way people work, this or that. But if you can't distill it down to let's solve, you know, some key problems, pick a problem and start there and see how you can drive, use these technologies to get successes in those specific areas. Um, it's hard to really then start roll out, rolling out bigger programs, right? So we've, yeah, yeah. we've, we've tried to build a solution that is really geared at making it easy to, pick a problem, start small. You don't have to have a huge budget to just start implementing something. Um, right. and, and then just little by little, you know, as you, cause what you're going to find is you're going to, you're going to find that the technologies do help you do things better. And what that ultimately means is that you're going to get some economic gains out of it. You're going to save money. You're going to produce more. And if you can have justified economic gains, it's pretty hard for a business leader to say, no, stop doing that or yeah, stop, stop expanding right. that program, right? Right. So what kind of, uh, so, okay, so I got this heat exchanger and uh, <laughs> what, what can you do for it? Like what happens when, so now you're doing analytics on my heat exchanger. What can it, what, what uh, how does that help me? Yeah, so the heat exchanger example, we, we do some pretty cool stuff where we actually have, um, we, we do a couple of different things there, but we'll actually look at it. Your, every heat exchanger that you would sign up for kind of would get uh, its own individual treatment. So we would look okay. at that exchanger. We would get do some reconnaissance. We'd look at all your PNIDs, and we'd look at some of the, how, how the equipment's actually being processed. We actually then build using, uh, you know, first principle simulation, you know, digital simulation, digital twin. We build a model of that asset in the cloud, okay, and right. we actually take real-time process data that comes from that equipment, and we model it continuously against the actual running exchanger. And then because out mm. of that, we can then draw a whole bunch of conclusions around, you know, the, the we call it the health of the asset, which really get, boils down to... Do you have any kind of fouling or scaling happening on the asset, right? Do you have, uh, is right, it operating right. effectively? We can look at your energy consumptions and things like that within the asset. 
we could even determine theoretically, like if there's, you know, if, if you've got corrosion inside of the asset and you're actually losing, you know, hot side to cold side or vice versa, um, by the mm -hmm, types mm -hmm. of analytics that we can do around the asset. Um, and so really what it, what it gives you is, uh, visibility into assets that tr traditionally aren't super looked at. I mean, they're slowly decaying. I would call them slowly decaying assets. And so a lot of times yeah, you, yeah. you people just had um, some scheduled maintenance program around that kind of asset, mm -hmm. you know, just historically, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, we had problems with it every couple of years. So we'd send a crew out there and it costs a lot of money to, to, sure. to clean yeah. an exchanger. So this now gives you actual data driven decision making about, when to do cleanings, you know, an example, uh, a, a pretty cool example actually was we had a exchanger, a, a customer that had an exchanger and they had a fail, you know, failure in the middle of the winter in Northern Canada and it's minus 40 degrees and it costs double to clean it in December than it would cost them to clean it yeah, in yeah. the middle of the summer. Um, and so, you know, that's an example where once we got our solution hooked up, it, they were very convinced they would have been able to predict that failure based on the data analytics that we were able to do. We would have detected the, the fouling threshold like much earlier. They would have been able to plan for it, do the cleaning before the winter time. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like, so again, it'll, it'll come back down to just having more better information about your system rather than just having lots of data about your system. Right. Yeah. So the interesting, the, the thing that's interesting about what you just said is, um, well, there's a lot of things that are interesting, but, but, um, it is that you're making that determination, that predictive sort of, you've you got that, that predictive foresight based on data that, that has already existed, right? It's uh, for the most part, right? It's it's data that was part, there, yeah. yeah. And um, and you're able to look at that data, and you know through correlations or however you, you figure it out, you say you say, uh oh, this thing is uh, is headed for a problem in some amount of time, um, you know. But that data has always been there. So how, how did, did, did anybody, did anybody ever try to try to figure this out even the hard way before? Like what, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, they, they have actually. So <laughs> they have done it the, in that particular case, there are heat exchangers. They have been doing it what I would call the hard way in the past is they, again, because they're slowly decaying assets, they would typically have some process engineers sit down and analyze the data every six months or every 12 months or something, right? They would run, they could sit there in front of a, you know, Aspen, Hysis or, you know, simulation software and run models and then build that, you know, mm -hmm. build correlation, try to figure out like, you know, where things right. are going to be a problem. But often they would only focus on the heat exchangers that were causing problems in their process, you know, bottlenecks, if there was a bottleneck in production or something, that's where they would focus, yeah. right? Um, this is more of a just ongoing. You're going to have information about what you're doing. It's going to be done all the time. Um, you know, it may not be as, as detailed all the way through and through as a group of people sitting down and looking at every little thing, but you're now getting 
continuous analytics and data about those assets good enough to you know raise an alert and let you know if, if you should go put some extra eyes on something right yeah so so you're not going to um, worry about uh, something else happened while I was busy trying to analyze the data on this one over here meanwhile right I mean that's 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 it, that what you just described is a tremendous amount of work even for you know smart people to sit down and and you got you got to get the data you got to put it into you gotta, there's all the stuff you got to do to try to, yeah. to analyze it right well and if you yeah. think about like a heat exchanger again I, I don't mean to we, and we, we can use another example I just used that one because example, you, you, again, you threw that one out you threw that out <laughs> yeah, a couple well, times so. heat exchanger or or something else if you think about it if you have an unexpected failure, you've got lots of problems usually, right? You've got right, right. your debt, your production is usually going to be down unless you've got some redundancies in your system. You're going to be scrambling crews. Again, it could be at times of the year that aren't ideal. Those cost you significantly more than any kind of planned or predictive maintenance that you can do, right? Um, you can just, you can prepare your systems much better. You can prepare your crews. You can do everything a lot better if you can if you can confidently do it based on uh, data driven decisions rather than being responsive you know yeah, and, yeah. And, and and also if you can even if you were doing predictive maintenance or sorry if you were doing pre, uh, like scheduled maintenance routines where let's say you just mm -hmm. you went and cleaned this asset once a year because you kind of had you knew if you went too long you'd have problems if you can go from cleaning it every year to every 18 months, you also mm. are saving a significant amount of money over, if you look at the economics on a little bit larger scale, right? Um, yeah, sure. So we're, sure, we're really sure. trying to look at those kind of things, right? Like, can you get economies of scale out of some of this stuff that, that at one point was really just kind of looked at as individual problems, right? I think that's a, one of the other yeah. benefits of having lots of data or the big data kind of approach to it yeah. right well that's it yeah so it's an interesting point that we don't always talk about we always we always focus on on the preventive aspect of catching something before it becomes a very expensive problem um but there's also this notion that sometimes we may do things that we don't need to do just because we don't know exactly when we need to do it and so we're trying to be yeah. conservative <laughs> and you actually didn't and you didn't need to do it um you know for a while um and you're not you're not you're, you're kind of taking out the the, like the intuition component, right? Which is because because a lot of this stuff, those those same smart people that you talked about analyzing things, there's always been some part of their job that's a little bit like, well, I know that you know when this thing starts to turn this color, it means that you know this is probably gonna you know so and and. and Let's face it. Like we we're, we have fewer and fewer of those people in the industry who have that kind of like yeah. like like that, genie capability to know what's happening. You're right. There there is a there there is a lot of art in it too, right? There's yeah. a, there is, and that that's another thing that we have recognized, right? Like I wrote down a note here just to, uh, about something to talk about, and and. What, honestly what the the brain drain or whatever we call it right is that is a yeah, real thing sure. right there are there's a a lot of worker turnover a lot of people who have worked in the industry for their entire careers are retiring now right um and so that's also something that we have to recognize in this push for digitizing some of the processes and making uh and not and it's not only about getting more data 
It's also about getting people connected, getting the information out of people's heads. Like if there, if there is an asset in a particular facility and you have a, an operator who's worked there their whole life, and they could probably almost tell you if it's going to fail better than an analytics package probably right. could because yeah. of that art, yeah. right? Why not, ca- why not have some way to capture that in your asset management system that then actually drives future people who are going to work there to make decisions based on the experience of that particular person? We have. Yeah, we so can, how do you, how do, you do, do that? Because that that sounds really good. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. How do you, how do you get how do you incorporate what's in my head into your uh, into your fancy computer? Yeah. So stuff? so it's all about well. So on the actual like algorithm side, it's probably not going right into that. But we can build around the algorithms, alerting. You can have those all the the alerting capabilities that we've built into our system also trigger actual like workflows potentially right so if Mm -hmm. condition a occurs okay here's an actual recommendation to somebody about what to do and that and those recommendations can come either directly out of the analytics that we do or they can come from a person (laughs) so if a person says i think you know i i know that under this condition this is what we should go and do we can just put that into the system. The system can capture that knowledge from that person and it can be linked to that part asset. Of the, it becomes part of yeah. the response, uh, the response pattern or whatever that you're going to get for yeah. that asset, right? So, so you're actually, so the system's learn. So the system is alerting me, uh, and then I'm telling, and then I'm deciding what I want to do. And then the systems then, if I got this right, it's learning from the fact that, well, the last three times he said to do this. So that's going to be the, that's going to be the, is, is that where you, and I don't have to put on yeah, like the head yeah, apparatus yep. or anything to get the brain waves like connected. It just, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. It, it, if okay. you spend time so, and money so, building a process, it, we could capture that and turn it into a digital workflow for that. Or yeah, it, it can become part of the, the uh, asset management the, program that you have. The so. learning, yeah, that's uh, that's very cool. Okay, um, uh, what? Uh, and I know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm watching the clock because not only do do people eventually get tired of listening to us talk, <laughs> but I know that that you got to go soon. So, um, uh, what about? Uh, well, so so the, the the benefits. So most of the benefits that you've talked about so far, are things that I would relate to, just the overall economics of the operation, right? Um, things like uh, like like reducing cycles, having more predictability, save saving money on all, all kinds of different things. Um, all of which contribute. And if we're talking about, you know, depending on where we're talking about, but if we're in upstream, right, that all factors into lifting costs. And and uh, if we're in a refinery, it's there's other there's other metrics there. Um, what about that thing that everybody keeps like like every single person that talks about some sort of technology solution these days? Uh, we always end up in an ESG conversation. So, um, are you? Uh, I'm I'm sure that's part of your world, right? The, the what what are you doing for ESG? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we actually have started developing into our asset solutions, um, you know, components of those that are directly related to ESG measuring and reporting. Um, I mean, of course, I think most ESG, when you look at ESG programs, for one, those, those are another 
animal on their own, right? Like their yeah, yeah. the ESG standards are massive, thousands of page documents, right? They're really, really tough to to go through them. Um, and a lot of it starts with, in order to understand where you are, or how to get better, you are, sorry, in order to understand how to get better, you have to really understand where you are. So you have to start measuring, yeah, sure, you have sure. to start auditing yourself and keeping track of what you do, right? Again, in the case of a mm-hmm. lot of the industrial world and the industrial assets, a lot of a lot of the data is there already. It's just about rationalizing it now mm-hmm. in a way that you know uh, is tied to these ESG outcomes that we want. In some other cases, it may mean that we do have to add extra instrumentation to look at you know uh, greenhouse gas emissions right. or carbon emissions or so. So some of the things that we are working on. Um, specifically is we're building a leak detection, a couple of different leak detection mechanisms that link into our connected worker solutions. So we, we also do, uh, I'm not responsible for them personally, but we do a lot of connected worker stuff. So we have, you know, like headgear mm-hmm. that you can wear on your uh, hard hat, light, lightweight, like. So there is head, there is headgear involved. <laughs> so there, there is can, headgear there involved. There can be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could also do it on a tablet or even on your cell phone. Um, but the yeah, sure. the idea would be you can do like leak detection and then the leak detection rounds to repair. So the whole life cycle of detecting a leak to to repairing the leak to closing it out to actually feeding that into your monthly or annual ESG report because all that data has to go eventually into that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that is now, like we're, we're coming out with a solution in the near future that basically has all of that connected end to end. And so not yeah, only so can the, you actually, sorry, not only no, can no, you actually going. detect the leak, but you can then literally mobilize a person who's got, the ability to record it all on their tablet or whatever. And right, right. And then at the end of the year, hit a button and the report is made for you. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, no. So uh, what I'm, I'm thinking as you're, so as you're describing that, the moral of the story is that, you know, if you go back to where we started with this conversation, where I said, well, how, how do you get started in modernizing some of the stuff and bringing these types of solutions? And you said, well, you got to get things connected. I think the, the moral of the story is that, uh, is, as, as as you do these things, these, these fundamental things uh, that you that you described earlier on, and and you start getting the data, and you get the data into something that you can do the analysis and and all this stuff, all of a sudden now there's additional um, there, there's the, there's the immediate benefits that say. Your, your heat exchanger is about to have a problem or it's not about to have a problem. But then as these other objectives come along, these other reporting requirements, these other, like who knows what, right? Whatever, whatever the next wave of things is that we want to be able to do, or we need to, um, or we need to start, you know, planning, uh, the, the replacement of things, like whatever it is, like now you're better equipped to handle new requirements, right? ESG requirements come along. Uh, if it were, if it were 10 years ago, imagine right like like how difficult it would be but now you go oh well we've already connected all this stuff we're already processing all this data i know i'm oversimplifying but but it's feasible that we can now turn around and use that same stuff for other objectives right so what what do you see like like what's coming like what else do you guys see coming down the down the 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 pipe as far as like uh or or where are we going with all of these capabilities in the future do you think oh man i mean 
Can Honestly, you do that in three minutes? Like, <laughs> three from minutes. My, my, my own, my personal opinion is the technology is evolving so rapidly. It's, it's almost yeah. hard for our human brains to keep up with how fast it's evolving. Right. I, I'm mm. personally, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, realist kind of realist practical kind of person uh yeah. I, I i admire very much so like the visionary types of people that can that can see the world of 50 years from now and, and actually make it happen i i'm kind of the kind of guy that wants to just solve problems today you know and and that's where i yeah think, yeah I, you know i think it's heading toward greener production like i, I personally i to say that we're going to move away from oil and gas completely is just, it's pretty, I don't know. I don't really yeah. see that happening yeah. <laughs> anytime in my lifetime. It would be, I would take, of, I would take that bet. Yeah. I would take, yeah, I would take the bet like, that it's not going to happen right, right away. Right? No, yeah. it, it yeah. just, even if we were to, uh, you know, sh shift all of the money that was available in governments today, we probably still wouldn't be able to put together programs that were going to replace all the energy that we produce with oil and gas, right? I mean, it's the it produces everything for us. Um, mm -hmm, I think right. long, long, long term, maybe that's the goal. But I think if we can also just green it up, get better at at proving to the rest of the world that it isn't a dangerous way to get energy, um, I'll, you know, that I think that's a lot of kind of what is emerging. That's what I see with the, with all the mounting ESG and stuff like that. And you know, if we can. It, but it's going to happen one little step at a time, right? It doesn't, yeah. you know, get get there overnight. So, yeah, no, that's a that's um, I, I like that. Yeah, if we can not not only are, are we gonna are we gonna get better at it, but we have to prove to the world that we're getting better at it, and it will be it will be not a moment too soon because, as you said, we're uh, it's already we're already like all something that I think sometimes people forget is that all the energy that's being produced by, uh, by oil and gas today, we're consuming, like it's all right. being consumed. Like, like there's, right. there's demands for all of it. It's not like it's, it's not like we're producing a bunch of this, like this, like we're this evil <laughs> empire and we're producing a bunch of stuff over here and it's just sitting there. Like it's all being used. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous, uh, it's a You're tremendous right. task. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably a good place. Uh, that was a good little motivational bit that you just did. We could probably wrap up on that. Um, and, uh, and, but I, I appreciate you, uh, I appreciate you making time today. And like I said, at the beginning, you, you kind of got volunteered for this, like, just like five minutes ago. So, uh, so I, I, I appreciate hope, uh, you jumping in. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope, uh, the listeners, uh, like what I have to say. They love it, I'm sure. I'm sure they love it. All right, so, uh, so Greg Alonza, thanks again, and I uh, appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. All right, there you have it, folks. Greg Alonza and the wild world of heavy industrial asset management. Uh, you know, there's so many interesting uh, aspects and, and, and uh, dimensions to this business. I always like to say that uh, the oil and gas industry isn't, it's not even like one industry or it's not, it's, it's, it's like a whole, all right, maybe it's one industry, but it's, it's, it's like a whole bunch of different businesses that are all bolted together in the interest, you know, with, with a common goal in the interest of getting the hydrocarbons out of the ground and into your, your uh, gas tank or, 
or your tires or whatever or your whatever whatever it is your your lipstick or your winter outerwear what the, the point is is it's big and it's complex and it's fantastic uh, to hear about all the different ways in which these you know it's it's these kind of recurring themes of of these digital capabilities are being applied um you know, in 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 all the different nooks and crannies, nooks and crannies of the industry, so that uh, and and there's all kinds of goodness coming from. It. Anyway, you heard all about it. So uh, that is going to do it for today. It's going to wrap it up. And uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Stratus Technologies, and uh, and another uh, little tip of the hat to Corey Alamon for being uh, for being a good friend. And uh, oh, by the way, don't forget, don't forget that the next episode of OGGN Unscripted is coming up. Well, I mean, it's well, obviously, the the last one already happened, so the next one is coming up, and it's going to be on the first Thursday in April. Uh, To be honest, I don't actually know what day that is, right off the... What what date? I I know what day it is. It's a Thursday, but I don't know the date exactly because I'm not looking at my calendar, and uh, it's just the first Thursday in April. Uh, So keep an eye on our our LinkedIn. You know, it'll be an event on our LinkedIn, uh, the OGGN LinkedIn thing. You'll see the event, and you can watch it live. It's best to watch it live because you don't really know what's going to happen, and, uh, you know, it's never quite as much fun to watch the ball game after you've recorded it. I mean, you try to make it fun, but you know it's not the same. So watch it live. But in case you can't watch it live, then of course you'll be able to watch it on demand after. And you know what else you can do is if you miss the first one, then you can go back and you can find that in our LinkedIn uh, events, or you can find it on our YouTube uh, our YouTube channel. And you, and it was a, it was a good one. And then and uh, the next and keep in mind it's unscripted. So and we're not lying about that. It really is unscripted. So so check out the next one and. Um, as with the first one, there will be cocktails and ping pong involved, so uh, it is sure to not disappoint. All right, that's it for today. Thanks to everybody for listening. I got to tell you, this audience for the for the tech show keeps growing, so obviously you're telling your friends about it, uh, which uh, is a fantastic thing. So keep doing that. Many thanks to all the uh, the OGGN crew for the for the hard work that they do. Most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And remember, whenever you hear somebody say the thing that they say all the time about this remember to tell them that we were tech before tech was cool check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of oil and gas tech podcast a production of the oil and gas global network learn more at oggn.com.au